Good evening. It's good to see each and every one of you here tonight. I hope that you've had a great day and enjoyed a nap. I enjoyed a short nap myself. I was thinking as, um, as Brother Howard led his prayer and, and as some have mentioned tonight coming in, uh, again about our country. Our country just continues to be torn apart by hate and things like that. And so I want us to just take a moment and again think about that and continue to pray for our country. Uh, I always love when we have the opportunity to pray as a family and I want to encourage each of you to continue to pray for our nation, for our world. But also I was thinking about some other prayer requests. We have a number of people on our list uh, that have lost loved ones recently in the last week or two. We have those who have faced procedures and are recovering from that, some struggling. We have those who are facing surgery and are anxious about that. And so we need to pray for them as well. And we have others that are just dealing with various diseases and sicknesses. And so we want to pray for them as well each and every day. Remember them, put them on your prayer list, and pray for those individually and collectively as a body. So let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer as we think about our nation and the things that we're going, going through and as we try to live through this unrest. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank You for the opportunity to come together tonight to fellowship with one another. Father, we need fellowship. It encourages us. It gives us hope. It gives us strength as we go out and face each day. As we live in this community and in this state and in this nation and a part of this world, Father, we, we watch the news, we read the newspaper, we see what's going on in our nation. And Father, it causes us great anxiousness, sometimes fear, sometimes confusion. And Father, we are mindful that You are ultimately in control. And Father, we see the evidence of Satan and His works. And Father, we pray not only for peace, we not only pray for those families who have tragically and innocently lost their loved ones, these police officers and other family members in other parts of the nation that have, that have been lost. Father, we pray for them. We pray that You will touch their lives. We pray that You will give them comfort and strength during this time. And Father, as we see all the things that are going on and, and, and we know the unrest and we know that You're in control, we can see the works of Satan. Father, we pray that You will help us to be Your instruments so that people can see Your works in the things that we do and the way that we live. Father, not so we can get glory, not so Savannah Church of Christ can get glory, but so You, Almighty God, Jehovah, Elohim, can receive glory. Father, help us in our lives. Help us to remember 
to continue to encourage one another through our fellowship here, each and every opportunity we have to come together, through our prayers for one another, through our classes and worship times together, that we will encourage one another to no matter what's going on in the world or our community, that we continue to live for You. And that we continue to be a light in this world. Whether we have times of peace or whether we have times of unrest like we see now. Father, because the only way people can have true peace is through You. And Father, the one place we hope many people have the opportunity to spend eternity is in heaven with You. And Father, You have given us the instructions as we go about our daily lives that never says anything about peace or unrest. But as we go about our daily lives, wherever we may be, whatever's going on in the world, that we share the message of Jesus. Times like this, Father, it's so obvious that the world needs Jesus. And Father, we pray that You will help us, that You will give us the strength, that You will give us courage as You promised Joshua in the Old Testament to go out and to live godly lives in an ungodly world. Father, again, we want to pray for these victims and these families. And Father, we want to pray for the people who have such hatred and anger in their hearts. Father, that You will touch their hearts, soften their hearts, and open their hearts to the message of Jesus. Father, we thank You for this great country and we ask that You will continue to bless it. Father, we again thank You for this opportunity to be here tonight. We ask that You will be with each of our members, those who are, who are suffering from loss of loved ones, those who are recovering from procedures and sometimes with difficulties, those who, Father, are facing surgeries with anxiousness. We pray that You will be with them. We pray for those who are dealing with various illnesses and diseases and sicknesses. Some who are battling cancer. I pray, Father, that You will be with them, that You will give them the strength and help their bodies and the medicines and the doctors and nurses help them to be able to overcome this illness. Father, we are thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope for tomorrow. The hope for eternity. Father, thank You. Thank You for salvation through Jesus Christ. Forgive us of all of our many sins. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You know what an air band is? You know, where they, they just pretend like they're playing an instrument, either a drum, a guitar, or a piano, or something like that. Several years ago, there was an air band group called Air Apocalypse. And they made the final cut on America's Got Talent. But when that happened, teens and young adults from everywhere, they became outraged. They thought, what kind of talent does it take to play in an air band? They ask questions like that. What's so great about an air band? No matter how good they appear to be. And isn't America's Got Talent about 
real talent? And so these people were very frustrated and angry because of this happening. Which brings to mind the idea of mediocrity. Our culture seems to be bathing in mediocrity. In fact, uh, uh, an ancient proverb said, Mediocrity is climbing molehills without sweating. And it suggests these two faces of mediocrity. First, spending significant time and outsized effort on things that don't really matter. Second, spending minimal time and half-hearted effort on things that do. We might say it, they're majoring minors and minoring in majors. And that's the culture that we live in. We understand and we recognize mediocrity as that half-hearted idea and attitude towards something. That idea or that attitude that says, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever. The good enough attitude that wants to slide by with minimal effort. I've been guilty of this some when I was growing up in school. I just wanted to get by. And that's the way, seems to be the way of our culture. It's harder though to recognize the hidden face of mediocrity. Pursuing perfection in things that don't really matter. Neglecting the things that do. Culture says this, It really doesn't matter what you do, they say, as long as it makes you happy. And that's the culture that we live in. Well, I don't care. Well, as long as I, as long as I make it by, as long as I do enough to get by. So how do we overcome this idea of mediocrity? Well, I want, us to, I want to mention some things that we're familiar with and maybe some things that we think about even in different times of the year. But I want us to think about those today because as you know, all we have is today. And I need to be reminded of some of these things. And hopefully you will um, take advantage of those as well. The first thing that we need to do to overcome the idea, the culture of mediocrity, is to have vision. We need to have vision. One person says, Gold setting is a powerful process for thinking about your ideal future and for motivating yourself to turn your vision of this future into reality. The process of setting goals helps you choose where you want to go in life. Many times we talk about this at the beginning of the year, right? We talk about our New Year's resolutions. And most of the time, by the end of the month of January, most of those have gone by the wayside. And and we want to talk about some of those things. You go out into the business world and you go to some of these business, um, uh, business instructions where they encourage people and they challenge people to set goals. Many people in the business world set goals and therefore succeed when they pursue those goals. You think about athletes. They set goals to get better and they succeed when they set those goals to be better. I came across this uh, recently on five facts about goal setting. Number one, be specific and realistic. Uh, Goals work best. You know, many times when we set goals, a lot of times we're just general. Well, I want to do this more, right? Well, most of the time when we are so general like that, those goals 
never get acted upon. And so be specific when we set goals. When you set goals in your life, when you set goals in your home, maybe it is you want to do something in your family. Set those goals. Be specific instead of general. Another thing that they said is it takes time for change to become an established habit. It will probably take, they say, a couple of months before any changes occur. I've always heard that it takes at least 31 days to make a habit. And we want to break old habits, we set new habits. We set new goals. And if we get off, that's okay. Continue to be specific. Continue to work at those goals. And don't worry about if we mess up. Get back on track. Another thing they say is repeating a goal makes it stick. In other words, every morning when you get up, repeat that goal. Many people on their mirror will take and they will list their goals and they will take them to that mirror. Why? So they see them constantly. And it helps them to pursue those. Here's one that I thought interesting in their list of five. Pleasing other people doesn't work. The key to making changes is not setting a goal so it would please someone else. It's not setting a goal so it will please my spouse or my boss or my children or anyone else. I have to have the desire. If I do not have the desire, then I can't attain that goal because it's not for me. I didn't come up with it. I don't have the desire to reach it. You know, I could... I could probably make a lot of money if someone gave me five or ten dollars every time I said I was going to begin exercising. It hadn't become my desire yet. But I tell you, the times when I've stopped eating certain foods and started doing the things that I needed to do, it's when Barry had the desire, not anyone else. So he said, don't try to please people. You have the desire and you work toward that goal. And here's one I want us to think about too. Roadblocks don't mean failure. We're going to mess up. But don't give up when we mess up. When we mess up, look at that as another opportunity to continue down the road. I know I've heard David Baker say several times back when we we were in school, uh, in class, also recently, and I've heard others say it, if you're going to fail, fail forward. When you're setting your goals, you're doing your goals, you're going to mess up. But when you fail, fail forward. Don't let that be a setback for you because those things will happen. One person said top-level athletes, successful business people and achievers in all fields all set goals. Setting goals give you long-term vision and short-term motivation. It focuses your acquisition of knowledge and helps you to organize your time and your resources so that you can make the very most of your life. Do you remember what the Proverbs said in Proverbs 29 and verse 18? The King James Version says it this way, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people 
perish. Have you ever heard the saying, aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time. Aim at nothing and we'll go nowhere. But set goals and have a vision and we will go somewhere. Now what does all that mean? Well, in life, these things are good. We know that in the business world, setting goals and having a vision is good. We hear it all the time. We see it. In our personal lives, we know that that's good. But what about spiritually? If we know that it works in all other aspects of life, I like to sometimes think that probably is because it's biblical. So why don't we set goals in our spiritual life? Remember, be specific. Have you ever set a goal, well, I want to read my Bible more? Be specific. I want to read my Bible one chapter every day. I want to read my Bible five minutes every day. I want to read my Bible every night before I go to bed. You see how that's specific? It's specific. I have a time and something to look forward to. I'm going to pray like Daniel three times a day. When I wake up, during the day, maybe around lunch, and in the evening, maybe before I go to bed. Or maybe you just need to, you want to focus on twice a day. I'm going to pray every morning when I get up. That's the first thing I'm going to do. And I'm going to pray every evening when I go to bed. Brother Bill mentioned this morning about meditating. What about setting a goal to meditate on God's Word? We read it and then meditate on it. I'm mindful of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And I like the New King James Version particularly on this verse. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, here it is, meditate on these things. Things. Dwell on them. Contemplate them. Struggle with them. Spend time with them. So what kind of goals do we have and are we setting for our spiritual lives? What kind of vision do we have so that tomorrow I can be more of a Christian than I am today? Not better but more of a Christian than I am today. Set those goals and have that vision so that I can strive to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I have been today. Set goals. Have a vision. And then I think another thing is to set high expectations. Believe in ourselves. Believe that we can do those goals. Believe that we can do the things that we set for ourselves to do. Believe that we can do those spiritual things that we set for ourselves to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul here talks about spiritual gifts and the unity that we have 
in diversity. In verse 12 he says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He pleased. Isn't that wonderful? That we don't all have to be alike. That God, He didn't even create all of us with the same personality. Boy, wouldn't that be boring. That He didn't create all of us with the same talents and abilities. But when we bring all of those personalities, all of those different talents and abilities together, because it's God that's placed us here. And through Jesus Christ... We can be unified and further the work of God where we are. Now, I don't want you to confuse what I'm trying to say by the picture that's on the screen. I know that seems to be impossible. But I do want us to encourage ourselves to set our expectations high. In fact, look over to the side. Sam Walton said, High expectations are the key to everything. And we all know what Sam Walton was able to do because he set high expectations. I may have said this before because I don't want us to misunderstand these expectations. Sometimes we can overburden ourselves with high expectations and we think, well, those goals are not attainable. But if we don't set things high enough, we can't improve. If we set things down here, we'll always stay down here. We always need to keep setting high expectations. I may have shared this story before, but I think about it when I think about high expectations. The great Vince Lombardi, when he started coaching for the Green Bay Packers. If you remember this story, you remember what he told his players. He said, guys, every day we're going to go out and we're going to strive for perfection. In every aspect of the game, we're going to strive for perfection. Knowing full well we will not attain it. But in the process, we will catch excellence. I love that because what that is is high expectations and those high expectations keep me going and keep me pushing further and higher and better each and every day. I came across a story about a young man, 12 years old, and he loved football, loved football. He, was, he lived down in Florida and he said one evening they were out playing football. Some of his guys late in the evening and uh, some of his friends and his dad was the quarterback for both teams. And the game was close and they were towards the end of the game and they were backed up on their goal line, fourth down, 
But for a 12-year-old, they don't want to punt the football. They want to go for it. They're on their own goal line. Everything looks impossible. And so they come up with a play, and this young man, he says, when, when my dad yelled, hike, he said, I took off running down the field. I was going for the other end zone. And he said, I saw my dad. He set his feet, and he reared back, and he threw that football. And he had plenty of air on it. He said, but you see, playing in Florida, many times you are not playing on a regular field. And there were some bushes down at the end and then the sidewalk in the street. And he said, my dad got a lot of air under that football. But I knew I could catch it. And he said, I just kept running. And I knew the bushes were coming up. And my friends, two people guarding me, they slowed up because they saw the bushes coming. He said, but I kept running. Plus, as a 12-year-old, wouldn't it be great to dive in the bushes? And he says, I ran into those bushes and I held my hands up toward the football and I caught the football. Touchdown, he says. He said, expectations affect people differently. I expected to catch the football. And I was going to do everything I could to catch the football. That was his expectation. Though there was a hurdle in front of him, that was his expectation. And he said, my expectation was to catch the ball every time. And that's what made me stick my hands into the bushes. My two friends, he says, did not expect the same. And that's why they slowed down. Everyone present thought it was a lost cause. But when I pulled the ball out and raised my arms, even the other team celebrated the unique catch. Because that was his expectation. And he didn't let the obstacle deter him from the expectations. In this story, it goes on to say, low expectations won't nudge you when you're running towards the bushes they'll more likely slow you down. But maybe you've heard that it's good to have low expectations in order to reduce disappointment and set the bar low. The problem with that theory is it assumes that humans are incapable of dealing with failure. The truth is that the less you deal with failure, the worse you will handle it. What are your expectations? Not just for business, not just for the church, but for me and you individually. What are my expectations? Maybe my expectations and how high or low they are might have something to do with my goals or my vision. You see, I love what Mordecai told Esther. How do you know God has not placed you here for such a time as this? God has gifted us. What are our expectations? Individually, as a Christian, for my family spiritually, and for my church family spiritually. Set high expectations. Have a vision, and that will help us overcome mediocrity. And then finally tonight, Surround yourself with good, positive people who will challenge and encourage you. 
People have a huge impact on our life. And I like the way one person put it. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. With this in mind, you should think about the people you're spending time with the same way you think about what you eat and how you're exercising. I once heard one of these uh, motivational people talk about your team. It's the same idea. You surround yourself with a team of people that will challenge you, that will encourage you, that will help you move forward, that will help you even fail forward in those times where you make mistakes. What kind of people are you surrounding yourself with? Think about your heroes. I think about the heroes that many of us have grown up with. Superman. Spider-Man. Batman. Man, now they got all kinds of other heroes. Captain America. Thor. All those guys. There are heroes. Maybe we have some athletes. There are heroes. Maybe there's an actor. There are heroes. Maybe there's a person in this community. That's our hero. That's fine and well, and that's good, and that's great. And that can be some of those people that help us to be better. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have a whole chapter of heroes. These people, they walked this earth. They dealt with difficulties. They dealt with losses. They dealt with tremendous challenges. Some of them were kings. Some of them were great leaders and very wealthy. Some of them didn't have much at all. Some of them were the least in their house and in their community. But they all lived by faith. Abraham, when God said go, he went not knowing where he would go. And he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. Even though he lived out in faith, sometimes fear got the best of him. And he lied. But he, kept, he didn't stay there. He kept setting high expectations and having a better vision of what God had planned and what God promised. He and Sarah, they had setbacks. They tried to take things in their own hands, but they didn't stop there. Abraham kept setting high expectations and moving forward. Oh, and then Isaac and Jacob. Joseph. Oh, Joseph was terrified to fill the shoes of Moses. And God said, you be strong and courageous several times. I'm going to be with you. Moses. Oh, and many others. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. We could add to that list the New Testament apostles, New Testament Christians. We could add to that list many who have sat in these pews who were not perfect but they continue to set high expectations for their lives. 
And they continued many times with our encouragement. When they saw us at services and they saw us gathering together and encouraging one another, they were able to keep going forward. One last scripture. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and Paul here, and I've been studying some in Colossians. Hopefully we'll have some lessons from Colossians soon. Uh, but, uh, but this is one of my favorite uh, passages in the book of Colossians. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Paul said, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service, not only when they're looking. There's a lot of people in the world like that. But you know what? There were people like that in Jesus' day. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. So how do we overcome mediocrity in our culture? We have a vision of where we want to be. We have a vision of where we want to be spiritually. What kind of person we want to be spiritually. So that people around me can see that. More than that, so they can see Jesus living in me. What are my expectations? The Bible says Jesus came to set us an example that we should follow in His steps. Knowing we cannot be like Christ, for He is perfect. But in the process, we will catch spiritual excellence. And then surround yourself with good, positive people. It's going to challenge you, encourage you, and build you up. Many times I'll make applications from movies. I enjoy watching movies. One of my becoming one of my favorite movies is Night of the Museum. You know, in the Night of the Museum, in the in the National Museum of History there in New York City, Larry Daly he gets this job as the night security guard. Not realizing that at night everything in the museum when the sun goes down comes alive. And so he has this manual that these security guards setting him in a trap, claiming that they're having to be let go. They've given him this manual, and he has to follow this manual, and he has to keep things locked up because he has to keep everybody in, everybody contained, because if they get out and the sun comes up, then they'll vanish away. And so he goes through the first night. Man, he has difficulty. And one of the... One of the uh, statues in there gets out. And they vanish away. And he gets in big trouble. In fact, he, he, he's ready to give up. And then he, goes to, he decides to go back the next day. And he goes back the next day. His son had heard that he had gotten fired. So he's trying to encourage his son to, keep, to, to work hard. And he wants his son to be proud of what he does. And so he goes back the next day. And chaos again. But this time, man, he's ready. And he, he has things prepared. And chaos again breaks out. And in fact, this time, in one of the exhibits, he gets locked up. 
He's brought his son to work with him, and he gets locked up there in this in this exhibit, and everything's going crazy, and and people are the part of the exhibits are going outside, and it's chaos. Teddy Roosevelt was one of the exhibits that would help him and encourage him. And in this scene, he's locked up in this room and Teddy Roosevelt rides by on his horse. And, and Larry Daly, he's shaking the gates and he says, Teddy, you've got to help me. Help me, Teddy, you've got to help me. And he calls him Lawrence. He says, Lawrence, he says, you know, all those, things, all those things I said I did, I've not done. That was Teddy Roosevelt. I'm just a wax statue. He said, I, I was created in some factory. He said, Larry, I'm made of wax. What are you made of? He said, now it's time that you finish the job. You see, Larry didn't have a vision much. He definitely wasn't setting high expectations. I guess the one thing he might have been doing is he had Teddy Roosevelt around him to challenge him and encourage him. That with his family. And I remember that line where Teddy says, Larry, I'm made of wax. What are you made of? We see a lot of things going on in our world. We see a culture that's satisfied with being mediocre. We have to ask ourselves the question, what are we made of? As dads, what are we made of? As moms, what are we made of? As employees, what are we made of? As employers, what are we made of? As citizens of this community, what are we made of? As the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ planted right here in Savannah, Tennessee, we have to ask ourselves, what are we made of? As we face this culture and this unrest... What are we made of? What kind of goals are we setting? What kind of expectations do we have? What kind of people are we surrounding us? Folks, fear will stifle us. I know because many times I've made decisions out of fear. Instead of asking myself, What are you really made of? Can you be like Joshua? Can you be like Daniel? Can you be like, in many times, David? Can you be like Peter? Can you be like Lydia and Tabitha? What are we made of? Tonight, as we contemplate mediocrity and reaching for greatness, let us challenge ourselves to ask the question, 
What am I made of? Let us challenge ourselves as we're together to love one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to not allow ourselves to set a low bar of mediocrity. I'm not talking about being mean toward one another. I'm talking about lovingly challenging one another as we are together and encouraging one another to reach higher because the Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation tonight, don't wait another moment. If you want to give your life to Jesus, what better time than the present so that you can leave this place going on your way rejoicing, having a new vision for your life, having a higher expectation, and surrounding yourself with the body of Christ. We can assist you tonight. Maybe it is that you need prayers. You're going through some tough things and you need people to pray for you and to pray with you. Maybe it is that... You haven't set high enough expectations or have a greater vision for yourself. Wouldn't it be great tonight? Right here, around these great people that are your family, to say, I can't do it by myself anymore. I need God and I need you, church family. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, don't wait another moment, but come forward as together we stand and sing.